Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent. I'm here with Alan. And Alan, I know it really doesn't feel like it, at least it doesn't here in Missouri right now because it's 90 degrees, but it's supposed to be fall. Um, and so it, fall makes me think of football, praise Jesus. And and also, it, this is a time of year when we, in our role, we have some meetings that we have to deal with. And so let's talk about that today. Yeah, you know, we, we kind of, sometimes we just have a conversation where we really don't have an agenda and we're like, what, what have we not talked about? And so today, guys, you kind of get one of those conversations that just kind of comes up where we, we don't have a huge agenda to accomplish today, but we were thinking about how you don't know necessarily, especially if you're not Southern Baptist, about our role and what we do and, you know, different times of the year, because it's certainly different from our time as in pastoral ministry, the ebbs and flows of our roles are different. So you just finished what you would call your associational annual meeting last weekend. Mine is tomorrow as we sit and record this. And I would say that that's kind of like a high intensity kind of time for us. So what what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is. It's a stressful thing because we have to put together a lot of reports. We call ours the book of reports. And we so we gather reports from all the ministries that are happening in our association. Um, and we have to gather financial reports. We have to gather, um, like I said, ministry reports. Um, we also have reports that are sent to us from state conventions uh, from missionaries that uh, our association supports. And so we gather all that stuff and we're trying to the last minute, make sure we have all those details so that we can inform our people about what's going on. We can celebrate that. Yeah. That's kind of a similar thing. You, I think you do a lot more with your reports than we do. I know we used to publish a book of reports and we've kind of gone mostly to a, to a digital format where people can download and we try to give them just the, basic necessities knowing that um there's a tree in there somewhere so trying to save the tree uh, as much as much as we can um but we're certainly doing something completely different this year too which has kind of added to things that we are actually doing a day of training in conjunction with our annual meeting and so it's both a conference as well as our annual meeting so kind of excited a little nervous because you know, again, in this role, what we're trying to do is put churches together and help them cooperate together. And I've got great churches to work with. You've got great churches to work work with. Um, but it's hard to, to try to get them all together at one time. Well, and so I just it clicked in my mind that, you know, maybe we haven't explained to people what our titles are now, our roles are. And so I'm just going to throw this in here. Um Alan and I both serve as leaders of a group of churches, not that we get to tell them what to do, but we get to serve them. And so Alan goes by the title of Association Missional Strategist. I think that's right. Close. And then I go by, well, and, and Central Missouri, they still use a lot of the old terms. They call me their missionary or uh, director of missions. And so... Uh, we get to serve a group of churches and help them. And that's what we're talking about today is that we get to have some meetings and, and do some training like Alan is doing. And we also get to um, serve and go to those churches. Alan, if you keep up with him on Facebook, he's at a different church every Sunday, just like I am. 
and we get to preach and and help find resources for our churches yeah it's a lot of fun to get to do <laughs> we do um i love it they call me just about everything in the book some of them might not even be very nice i don't know <laughs> uh, but we it's i think the reason that they've kind of changed names and is because I think associations have kind of lost their identity. And I think we're trying to regain our identity. And, and the role really is more strategist than anything else that we do. We're trying to help provide strategies that allow for churches to cooperate together. We're trying to find strategies to help churches be effective in their ministry, trying to strategize ways for churches that have lost their way to kind of find their way again. So we, we wear a lot of different hats um, in the roles that we wear. And, you know, just like um, if you've ever been to a convention of your churches, whatever your denomination is, there's a lot of work that goes into that. So there's a lot of work that goes into getting ready for things. And fortunately, neither of us are alone in that. We have a group of, of leaders that help us. Most of those, I would assume, in your association like mine are pastors. Yeah, that's right, Alan. Um, I have several different ministry leaders that we rely on. Plus, uh, my wife, Dana, she's the detail gal, and she helps put together our book and things like that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's for us, it, it really is a fun time to gather and, and to share about what God's doing. We And as Alan said, we're strategists. We, we try to help our churches come up with ways to work together. I think, and I think Alan might say this or might agree with this, is that churches do best when we're working together. And so uh, it gives us a bigger and broader vision. And we're able to do missions um, locally in our state and our nation and around the world much better when we're working together. Yeah, that togetherness thing. And we talk about this all the time. We've got episodes on it. Um, the idea that you were not wired to do ministry alone and churches, you weren't wired to be a lone church in the world. We are best when we partner together. That's one of the reasons I've always been drawn um, to the Southern Baptist Convention with all of our faults. One of the things that we do better than anyone else in the world is cooperate for missions. And that's important. That's the a bedrock of who we are. Um, it, in, as Baptists. So I'm glad to be part of that in spite of the fact that sometimes I get really frustrated with some of the things that we do and the ways we, tr we trip over ourselves. But we do a lot of great things. And the basic level, the basic building block of cooperation is always with those who are closest to you. You share a certain demographic, you understand each other. And associations are, are really much smaller gatherings and here in Texas, most of them are aligned based on county or a city. You know, there's very specific boundaries. So um, churches tend to affiliate with in, in that way. Is that the same in Missouri? Yeah, Alan, it really is. It's, it's kind of defined by sometimes it's just one county. Our association covers four counties and we're kind of spread out, you know, and but you're right. There are some defined areas and and we don't try to pilfer churches from each other you know it's it's really working together and encouraging that and uh, you mentioned cooperating cooperating together in the cooperative program is something that we as southern baptists really push 
not only locally, uh, I think that's a huge deal for us to be able to do, but also state and national and international too. Yeah, and I think uh, so people understand we don't get money from any of those other conventions. We're kind of our own cooperative program at the associational level. And so we rely on what our churches give us and how they support us. You know, uh, years ago in Baptist life, it was encouraged that every church give at least 3% to their association and 7% to the cooperative program, which would go through the state convention and from the state convention to the national um, convention. Um, churches are all over that. We gave more to one, less to one, uh, none to some, yeah, all those kinds of things. Churches do what they want to do. They're autonomous and they can. Um, but we do rely on the generosity of our churches uh, to do our ministries, which ma makes it all the more important to show why um, our role is important and the role that we play um, to make sure that it has significance in the lives of our churches. And so you and I kind of come in at a time um, into the roles of which we come in where associations are really trying to rebuild their identity and figure out who, who they really are. And so you've kind of been in that process. So you're two years in um, into this, Trent. What have been maybe a couple of the things that maybe surprised you or, or something that you, is fresh to you that you've learned that I didn't see that one coming? Well, there's, there's a lot of things that I've learned. I, I certainly didn't have it all down before I started this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and I would say both Alan and I are appreciative of the, the men that we followed because uh, Alan had a, a great director of missions or AMS there in his area that preceded him. I had an amazing man and Phil Rector that um, preceded me here in central Missouri. And so uh, just the, the amount of travel, that was a huge surprise. I mean, oh my gosh, man, I'm, I'm all over the place and I'm traveling almost every day. And I know Alan covers a big area as well. Uh, another thing, you mentioned the word autonomous, and I think that that may be different and strange to some people who might listen because they may not be Southern Baptists. And a lot of other denominations, your churches really don't function that way. Um, you may be under a, a bishop or someone, you know, an area person that gives direction to your church. And so I guess I wanted to talk about that just a little bit. Um, when we say autonomous, that each Baptist church that we work with, they decide how much they want to give to the association or to the convention. They decide everything. I mean, I can't come in and say, you've got to do this. You have to teach this. You have to have this pastor. I just come in as a servant. I, I tell them all the time, I'm their servant and their cheerleader. I don't have great legs, but I'm their, their cheerleader. You know, so, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's a, it's a, a fun thing to be able to cheer them on and give them all the tools I can find to help them do their job well. I love that you said tools. That's really kind of what we are. We are um, people who rely on the tools of others, and we we don't have all the answers. We really are, our job is to try to get people in touch with those who do have the right answers and to get them matched up with the right resources and the things that they need so they can be successful in what they're doing. Uh, but it is, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of variety 
in our jobs. I'll get a call from a church that said, hey, um, we're about ready to build our new building. Um, we've got a lot going on and we're really excited. And I'm like, man, that's so great. And have this wonderful conversation. I can get a call from a deacon that said, hey, our, our pastor messed up. He, he resigned and we don't know what to do. We've, we've lost families. Um, we're, we're bleeding people. We're bleeding money and we don't know what to do and that that'll bring you down pretty fast you know so we we do a lot of, of of extremes in this role working with a lot of different types of circumstances yeah and i don't know that we would call it counseling but we do a lot of pastoral counseling you know talking with pastors as they deal with it with different issues we talk with deacons and, and church leaders all the time and, Right now, I'm working with some churches that are searching for a pastor, helping them to understand the ins and outs of that. We've done some podcast episodes on that too, Alan, that uh, if you're ever in that boat, I would encourage you to go back and, and search those up. We have over 250 episodes, Alan. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, we've, we've uh, put a few out now, haven't we? Yeah. I've been at that. I've, in fact, I was thinking the other day, we ought to revisit our, our search team ones and maybe do a search teams 2.0 and with some of the new things that we've learned and observed over the last couple of years. I do think even COVID has, has changed even the search process a little bit um, as we come, come back through that. It certainly changed the pool of candidates. Mm -hmm. So you have to be a little bit more vigilant, a little bit more mindful of what's going on there. You know, Trent, when you, you talk about just some of the things that you do like that, I enjoy that part. I actually like sitting down with lay people. Um, I think for a long time, our role got associated only with the pastors of churches. And I think that one of the things that, that was different back in the maybe the 50s and 60s with our role was that everybody knew who their, at the time, they called them area missionary. Mm -hmm. But every, every church knew who their area missionary was. And today that may not be true. I've got, you know, I've got over 90 churches and I'm not going to get into every single one of them every year. Some of them are never going to invite me. Some of them are going to over invite me. Uh, but, you know, I can't get to all of them all the time. And so there's a good chance there's people out there who don't have a clue who I am. And I have to work hard to try to build as much awareness as I can. Um, but that can be a real challenge. Yeah, you're right, Alan. I don't have near as many churches as Alan does. And so it's easier for me to uh, get to be in those churches uh, but it is, it's again, it's not so that people know us. It's just so that we can say, hey, we're here to serve you. Um, I even have uh, a different a church that is, as um, I don't know how to say this, that has dropped out of the Methodist convention uh, denomination. And so we help them find resources. You know, they're not Baptist. They're not necessarily part of our association, but. Um, we're just trying to help them, you know, encourage them. And there, so there's all kinds of folks that, that Alan and I work with, and, and we enjoy that. Uh, you know, we're people, people. That, that's weird yeah. to say. We're people, people. And we enjoy that. Now, your association, uh, you may have a smaller association, but you get an additional responsibility that I certainly don't have to pick up. You're, you're also director of your camp, so to speak, or the camp administrator. Um, because your association owns and operates a, a youth and children's camp. So that that certainly adds a different layer to the role and responsibility that you take. 
um, you had had some experience in that, which I'm so grateful that God uh, lined you up that way for them. Uh, but tell us a little bit about that role, how that changes what you do a little bit. Yeah, years ago uh, when I was a Baptist Student Ministries director uh, in West Texas, when I left that position, I went to work at a Baptist camp in West Texas in Stanton. And, uh, you know, I was there for a while. That was a time is just, I just needed to be refreshed and see where God was going to take us. And I didn't think God would ever use that again. Uh, because then from, I went from there to pastoring a church, pastor two churches for 20 years. And, and then, but moving to this position now, we have a hundred acre camp. And so God doesn't waste anything. I say that all the time, but I really believe that. God doesn't waste anything. And so those experiences that we had, God is allowing us to draw on those and, um, you know, figure out what things we need to deal with, uh, deal with camp trustees and and fixing water lines and, and all kinds of crazy things, you know, that I didn't expect to be working on as well. But you enjoy that. Like you enjoy kind of doing some of those uh, physical labors and whether it's hopping on a tractor or ripping something up and fixing something, I think you you enjoy that. I do. Yeah, I really do. I enjoy, you know, I grew up on a farm, both Dana and I did. And people ask us all the time, well, how are you surviving out there in the middle of nowhere? And we're like, that's where we grew up in the middle of nowhere. We both grew up on farms, you know, and, and so we love it. You know, we absolutely love it. Well, and the good news is you don't have to deal with as many rattlesnakes uh, where you're at now as you did oh. your experience, which was Rattlesnake Alley. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we found some big ones in West Texas, but no, thank goodness we don't have that. We do have plenty of ticks and chiggers, you know, that that will eat you up. And, but we live in a beautiful place. We say all the time we're so glad we moved to Missouri. So it's wonderful. Yeah, we've got some things here that are kind of unique, too. We, we do some ministries in conjunction with things like a prison. Um, we have a, what we call as a hospitality house where people who, if they're visit, visiting a loved one who's incarcerated, they have a place to stay. And it, many associations do ministries that sometimes fall under the radar. Um, but we do those and they play a, a vital role in someone's life. And, you know, if a church isn't paying special attention they might not know that we're doing those types of things but we are we're we're helping change the lives and helping move the needle a little bit for someone along the way yeah and that is so important because a, an association is able to do some of those things that an individual church especially some of our smaller churches may not be able to do on their own uh, but like you, you all have um, student college student ministry and, and we have that same ministry here. And, you know, working together allows us to be able to provide that ministry on college campuses. Um, and the, the ministry that you mentioned in prison, uh, being able to help families to come and visit their loved ones. Uh, there's all kinds of things that an association can do because we're working together that maybe a church wouldn't be able to do on their own. You know, and I love it just from the standpoint too of the experiences that some of our pastors get or some of our church leaders get um, to participate in things like a board. You mentioned your board of trustees for your camp. 
um, our board for our ministries that we operate, it gives them a chance to really learn how to be a part of something like that because they may be asked to be on some other board someday or might be asked to take a state convention role at some point in time. And those experiences are really valuable. So not only is the ministry valuable, but learning how those ministries operate in addition to what you're doing is a really valuable tool um, in your toolbox. And you also gives you reason to hang around other people and hear the stories and see di the different places and different ways that God is working, which I always think makes us more rounded and, and more aware that our ideas aren't, aren't always just the only idea. Yeah, you're right, Alan. And it gives us the opportunity to network. What you mentioned about being involved not only in the association, but um, in the larger pictures, the denomination, state denomination, whatever. Uh, that I love that because I get to brainstorm and just and hear from other people and get their ideas. And you're right, it gives me a bigger vision that realizing that no, my ideas aren't the only ones and that there are some great ideas, especially for missions. Uh, we mentioned that that's part of our title and we get to provide missions opportunities for our churches. Uh, I've got a, a you know, pastor from Poland. He and his wife are coming to stay here at my house um, next month. And so we're, you know, we get to work with people around the world. Um, our association has been providing for Ukrainian uh, refugees for the last couple of years. And, and that's been awesome. And so we've gotten to have people from the Ukraine at our camps and, and things like that. And so, you know, just having those missions opportunities, I think are wonderful as well. Yeah, so there's a lot of just unique things that we get to do. We get to see things from that large perspective. And if you've been listening to our podcast for a long time, you know that both of us tend to be big picture people. So this kind of keeps us really in the big picture a lot. But, you know, going through the annual meeting and for me is really stressful because it's a lot of details and I hate details. And so getting all the details uh, worked out is, is kind of challenging. But, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been able to think of, through just all the neat things that God's done. But there's also been some challenges, some things that I maybe didn't see coming. And for me, one of those has been um, people development, the, the, the need for training of even our lay, our lay people, as well as some of our bivocational pastors and their, their inaccessibility to, to adequate training. Um, is there something to in you, that you've seen as well um, that maybe kind of maybe caught you off guard a little bit? Yeah, Alan, one of the things that I'm really struggling with right now is the ability to um, find pastors. You know, I had a brief shining moment where all of my churches had pastors. It was so exciting. But right now I have five of my churches that are going to be looking for for pastors and and are possibly looking for pastors and so that is a struggle you know where do those people come from uh especially if you have a church that doesn't have a parsonage doesn't have the ability to pay a full-time salary how do you provide how do you call someone and ask them to come to this missions place this mission point and serve as a pastor and, and you know that's that's a rare animal indeed 
you know, we used to have this pool of pastors for those churches, young young guys who were looking to get their start in ministry and older pastors who were retired and but still wanted to take a, a role of pastor. Well, many of those pastors are retiring later and later and later. Um, so that pool has gotten smaller and we don't have hardly any, in a lot of cases, uh, people um, who plan to be pastors. They are opting for other types of ministry opportunities. And so there is, there's just a real shortage of qualified, capable pastors out there. And I have more and more pastors. I mean, more of my, more of my pastors who have some kind of other job and really a job that takes, takes their time priority over and above their role as pastor. And it's a real struggle for them. Working with our bivocational, co-vocational pastors is a challenge. Um, I don't think that's a challenge that's going to be going away. I think it's a challenge we're going to have to identify um, and look for more, even more solutions to in the future. How do we connect with pastors who have such limited time and such limited needs, and how do we help them out? Yeah, the idea of co-vocational is going to be more and more a part of ministry and and I believe there is the, the possibility that we move even to the old time picture of a circuit riding kind of preacher. Uh, and, and we're going to have to encourage especially small churches to share a minister and maybe change their time of, of having their services so that they can accommodate having someone who's ministering at multiple churches. And that's a real challenge because we all know how church people like change. So yeah, uh -huh. that is a real challenge, but I think you're right. I think that's something that I've even talked about that as recently as a couple of weeks ago with a church that's like, we don't know how we're going to find a bivocational pastor for what we can afford. And I'm like, you know, the best way is to, to pull that with another church. that's in the same boat. It's not so far away and share one. And you got to be okay with that. You got to recognize that there's going to be some limitations, but they're not as much as if your pastor has to go out and have some other 60, 70 hour a week job um, and then try to pastor you. Honestly, if two or three churches would get together and share a pastor, his whole focus can be on pastoral ministry um, and not have to go elsewhere to do things. So there is actually a benefit, I think, if many churches would consider that. But again, that would be a change in paradigms. And that's really hard for churches to get around. But I think it's a, something that is talked about more and more. And I think we're going to see churches get desperate enough uh, to maybe lean into that possibility at some point in time. Yeah, that's right. And so all these things, these are conversations that Alan and I, in our roles, we get to have with people. And it's a lot of brainstorming, um, helping them to look at the larger picture, um, helping them to see a new avenue, a new paradigm. And, and we love that. Alan and I enjoy that a bunch. And that's why we do this podcast too, is so that we can help you maybe to see something new, a new opportunity. And I enjoy this, Alan. Yeah, it's good to give people maybe a glimpse into the, the, the lives behind the microphone and that's kind of what we wanted to do today is just kind of have a kind of a free-form conversation we've been wiped out with annual meetings um, but we wanted to kind of tell you what's going on what we love about it in spite of being tired and you, know, you were exhausted when yours was over i'm going to be exhausted uh, when when mine's over but we wanted you to kind of get a glimpse into to why we do what we do and we think that can be really beneficial just to kind of help you see 
um, and get to know us a little bit better. But we are so grateful that you take time um, to get with us. We've got a, a new podcast in the work you're going to be hearing next week. I think we're going to be talking about things when things go wrong with technology. Trent, I, I don't know what you're talking about with that. <laughs> you know, we, we do a podcast. We do a podcast over over the Internet. Uh, I, I don't know what could go wrong with technology. <laughs> but uh, we're going to give that a shot. So we hope you'll be a part of that next conversation when it comes up. But we are so grateful for you. We're grateful for our, for our roles as, as with our association. And we're grateful for our listeners who take time to be a part of the Enduring Churches podcast. You mean so much to us. Thank you for being a part. And we look forward to catching you next time.